Hi guys, all right, this is great. We're gonna get into the Word of God. I'm excited about the Word of God because it's gonna change us. It has changed me and it's continuing to change me. So let's pray for the Word of God, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Our only hope, our only strength, our only comfort, Lord, in your truth, your word, your truth. It is the one that will set us apart, Lord. And make us your people. So I pray, Father, that you will pour out your spirit in our hearts, in the hearts of your people, Lord. That as we hear the truth that is contained in your word, that we will be changed. And faith is uh, faith comes in our hearts. Because your word produces faith. This I pray in the name of Jesus. Awesome. Well, you know what? I'm going to talk, I'm going to continue on the subject of faith like uh, I shared last week. As a matter of fact, a few weeks ago, I talked about faith that endures. And last week, I talked about faith and expectation, how the two goes together. We have faith, but there has to be an expectation on our part uh, that accompanies that, that faith, which is or really as an expression of that faith. So, uh, but I think the, the big question in, in, in this whole thing of faith is what is the key to ensure our endurance in faith and the key that will, will you know, our, 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 okay, that will ensure our endurance in faith and also the expectation in that faith, okay? There's one scripture that is very simple in uh, 1 Thessalonians verse chapter 5, verse 24, where I believe this is the foundation of our faith, where it says, He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. The, in that scripture, it's in the context of us enduring and walking with God and keep our, our, our lives together. And in that, Paul Close with this, with this, uh, closest with this statement: He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. My thing is this: the foundation of our faith is having the having the ability to rest in God's faithfulness, and we have to be careful. Often in our when we talk about faith. You know, it's, it's such a almost throwaway uh, comments, and and it's 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 like in many cases I watch people they talk about faith. It was like if you only believe enough, as if to say we have faith in our faith. It doesn't work like that. True faith is, you know, like. True faith is trusting the faithfulness of God. That's it. That's what true faith is. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, both to the disciples and to Jairus, like we, we read last week, just believe in me. It really is that simple. So uh, another very uh, assuring truth about about why we, we need to to believe God, just a simple belief in, in, in God's faithfulness, 
And uh, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 13, God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. It says, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So what it says there, pretty much what, what, what uh, Revelation 22, verse 13 says, is that God's got the whole picture. He knows what he's doing. I remember Diane's sermon last, last week, a uh, few weeks ago. Uh, not only that God knows what he's doing, but he, he never sleeps on a job. <laughs> I love that. So he, he's got the whole, the whole story, the whole picture. And on the one hand, that's what, what happened with God. He knows the whole story. And you and I, because we're not God, so at best... All we've got is, in, in many cases, just a snapshot of the big picture, of the whole story, okay? And our problem, in most cases, is that we often try to understand or, and comprehend the whole story by looking at the snapshot in our situation. We're looking at our, at our situation, we're, we're trapped in that, and we're trying to understand the big picture. It doesn't work like that, okay? And I want to give you a very inspiring story, a very popular story, but we want to, hopefully we can see a different light in, in this story. This is the story about Joseph the dreamer, a story that is recorded in Genesis chapter 37 to chapter 50. So pretty much... Of all the, the uh, stories in Genesis, uh, Joseph's story takes a quarter of the whole book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as, the son, as the son of Jacob, one of the sons of Jacob, the, the real story of Joseph began with uh, chapter 37, verse 5 to 11, be began with a dream. And uh, the, the meaning of the dream is that all the family, the, all the, the 11 brothers, they all bow down to him in that dream. I mean, if you read the story in Genesis 37, he saw the stars and the moon come and bow down before him. He also, in the field, he saw the, these uh, bundles of, 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 uh, of grains and, and, and of uh, uh, wheat. They all came and bowed down to his bundle. So that dream caused him a lot of trouble, yeah. Because even even his his dad said, "You mean to tell us that even your your parents will bow down before you?" And uh, I think one of if you can say maybe the mistake of Joseph is he shared his dream with his brother. Maybe that was a mistake. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't take it. So they hated him for it so uh, because of the dream I mean it's uh yeah it's, it's one of those things should he or should he, should he have not but uh, anyway let's continue with this thing because of their jealousy they decided they plotted when the opportunity came they were pasturing the the, the sheep in the field and Jacob, the dad sent Joseph, okay, see, check out how your, your brothers are and, and give them some, some uh, provision and 
see how they're going. So when he arrived there, they pretty much plotted some of them wanted to kill him. And, uh, but instead of killing him, because after all, he's the brother, so they decided to put him in a pit. <laughs> they threw him in the pit. And uh, can you imagine being, being treated like that to your own brothers? <laughs> it's amazing how when, when there's a mark on a person and there's a, it, it's like somebody with, with a vision, with a dream and, and knows where he's going, it can stir certain people around them. Depends on, you know, if anything, it will, certain people will manifest and, and will show who they really are because who do you think you are? And that's what happened with, with uh, Joseph. So they threw him in the pit and I was thinking, what would go through Joseph's mind? It's like, okay, I'm in the pit and I'm crying out for mercy and for kindness and there's no response. And uh, the only thing I, 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 I could hear was my own echo, the echo of my voice. And uh, I can imagine the, the dilemma that he had and the trauma that, that he would have had. And after that, basically, the brother decided to sell him to, to Ismail, Ismailites who traveled with the caravan and then uh, as, on the way to Egypt. So they, he was sold as a slave and he went to Egypt uh, and he became a slave in a foreign land, a stranger away from the family away from the safe environment. I can imagine that's how he would have felt. Totally far away from, from home. Now I can imagine Joseph being caught in, in, in that situation. I could imagine he probably felt like, hmm, what was that dream? Was that dream from God? But my situation now, I'm away from home. I'm away from the safe environment, my own family. My brothers hated me. I don't think that dream, maybe it's not from God. If anything, I, you know, I am being driven away from my dream. All right? That's what he would think. But here's the thing, once again, he was looking, that's how he would see it. And I, I believe he would see it that way. But here's the, here's the scenario. Here's the, the point I'm trying to make. That is the picture of a snapshot view. From a snapshot, snapshot view, his life at that moment, he would have concluded, my dream is over. All right? I can imagine. I mean, I don't blame him to, to think that way. But here's the thing. You and I, as we read the story, so, so many of you are familiar with the story. We're on this side of history, looking back, reading into the story of Joseph. Let's look at this. As we know, as many of you know the, the, full, the, the whole the full story, I'm going to ask you the question. 
That dream of Joseph, okay, where was that dream fulfilled? It was fulfilled in Egypt, right? If, if you know the story, that dream was fulfilled in Egypt. So Joseph being caught in the moment, like I said before, he had a snapshot view of, his, of the moment, and his, in his mind, like, that's it, that's the end of my dream. Not realizing that he was actually, God was taking him to the place where that dream was to be fulfilled. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Our snapshot to God's perspective of the whole story could be the opposite. Sometimes our emotion, our, our feelings, our minds get caught up in the environment and all we could see is just a snapshot of the picture. And then we try to interpret the whole picture, confine it into that snap, snapshot. Crazy, hey? How the mind just, just works like that. So, and uh, in the story, the Bible describes that his journey as what's, what's amazing is if you read the story, the Bible describes the story of Joseph, the whole journey as marked by God's presence being with him. As a matter of fact, it is repeated a few times here. If you look, if you read Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, verse 21, verse 23, but repeatedly it says, but God was with him. In whatever situation, we'll, we'll go, go into more details, but in whatever situation Joseph was, he said, but God was with him and he prospered because God was with him. So the thing is, when you and I, all we have is a snapshot of what we have. This is where faith is. All we have is snapshot. We don't have the big picture. Guess what? We need to just realize, as long as God is with us, everything's going to be okay. As a matter of fact, with Joseph, because God was with him, it wasn't that everything was just okay, but he prospered. Let's look at that, okay? In, uh, first, he ended as a slave of uh, uh, the uh, palace guard, by the name of Potiphar, in Potiphar's house, in uh, chapter 20, uh, 39, verse, verse 2. And it says, because God was with him, he experienced great favor by this guy, the head of the, the palace guard. Okay? So, he was given... You know, the, 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 this Egyptian uh, uh, guy gave him, put him pretty much in charge of everything that he owned. And uh, so I can imagine Joseph, probably a glimpse of hope would come to Joseph. Well, okay, God is with me. And uh, maybe, maybe just, you know, maybe, maybe just, you know, something, something good might come out of this. Okay. But right throughout that story, 
while he's enjoying what seems like a great favor, of course, we read the story, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And Joseph, being a man who feared God, would have, wouldn't have a bar of it. But because of that, Potiphar's wife pretty much accused him falsely, that he pretty much like, oh, uh, Joseph was about to rape her, you know, to put it bluntly. And then he, she accused Joseph before he, her husband. And the result was Joseph was falsely imprisoned. Now, I believe prison at that, from my interpretation, from my understanding, it, it, was, it would be like a dungeon, you know. Now, I can imagine Joseph's like, okay, I thought there was hope. Now, all of a sudden, now I'm, I'm, I'm a criminal now. There goes my dream. What can I do? I thought I might just have a glimpse of hope that maybe I'll be restored to my family, back to my family some, somehow, but now I'm in prison. So there goes my dream. Was that really from God? And uh, yeah. So from a snapshot, just another blow to the dream. But here's the thing, if you read in chapter 20, uh, 39, verse 21 and 23, it says, but God was with Joseph and he prospered. Isn't that amazing? Joseph was a servant in Potiphar's house. God was with him and he prospered and God blessed everything and he was in charge in Potiphar's house. And now he's in jail, in the pit, another pit. It says, God was with him. And he prospered, and he was in charge of everything that was going on in the jail. When you read the scripture, all right, in that he was put into prison, as we look back once again from this side of, of history, not only geographically now he, he's becoming closer to his dream, to the fulfillment of his dream, but now he's becoming closer because, even closer to his dream, because him being in jail is the last, really, the, the last missing link that connects his dream to its fulfillment. Yeah. Because his encounter with the king's butler and baker is it? Is, is his way there? And we all know the story. Joseph, a dreamer, not only just a dreamer, but from the story shows that he's also an interpreter of, of dreams. So these two, two, uh, two people, a butler and a baker, were in prison. They were accused for something. From my, from my understanding, reading into the story, 
they're probably accused for attempting to, to poison the, the king. So they were in prison. So both of them had a dream. You can read the story. On the same night, and Joseph interpreted the dream for both of them. And, and the interpretations were so accurate, even the timing of it, Joseph said within three days, this is what's going to happen. And it happened. And I remember Joseph said to, to, uh, to both of them, just remember me. When you come out of here, remember me. And the Bible says that, yeah, the, their dream was fulfilled. The baker was, was hung, was executed, but the butler was, was uh, reinstated back as a butler to, uh, to the king. But the Bible says that he forgot about Joseph. <laughs> oh, dear. One of the painful things is when you, you're in a situation where you, you're trying to do the will of God and you're doing your, your, your work so hard and after going through some things and sometimes even the, the sense of being forgotten by, by people that you care or people that you feel like could be significant to you, it happens. That happened to Joseph. The butler might have forgotten Joseph. Guess what? God hasn't forgotten Joseph. <laughs> I love it. Because what did God do? He gave the king a dream. Pharaoh, he gave Pharaoh a dream. And Pharaoh shared his dream. And uh, he shared with, with his uh, diviners and all these all people who who are expert in interpreting dreams, none of them could interpret. And then at that point, we you know the story, the story goes, the butler then remembered Joseph. And he told the king the whole story about Joseph. All right? Now I want you to look at this picture here. Joseph with his family, with a dream and aspiration, in the midst of the jealousy of the other family members, the brothers, except for the father. And then all his life up to this point, just going in the decline. Like, and then dropped into the pit in the desert and then went down and then went to Egypt and then went down to, to the dungeon in, in jail. It's like the whole thing went down. It's like... But here's the thing, when you look at the story of jo Joseph, you see that the graph, like the graphic down like that, the picture, the statistic, the trend sort of going down. And yet within one moment, when the timing of God, I don't know, often I experience that. It's like even in the Bible, there's stories where the suddenly of God, with, Overnight, Joseph, from being in a dungeon, being instated as a ruler in Egypt, the king called him and asked him to interpret the dream that the king had. And Joseph accurately interpreted the king's dream, 
And uh, he, not only that, but, but God gave him wisdom. Remember, obviously there's certain wisdom, there's this certain clueness in, in, in Joseph that God gave, but he was in charge in, in Potiphar's house, he was in charge in prison. Now, before the king, he gave, he gave his, his, his wisdom, his, his advice, this is what we need to do, how to deal with, with this, because his, his prediction was it's going to be seven years of, of plenty and seven years of famine. And in the seven years of plenty, you need to do this, you need to administer the, this thing. So by, by the time the famine comes, you will survive. And the king said, who else can I find a man as wise as this man? You have the Spirit of God in you. You're the one who's going to be in charge because Joseph said, get, Joseph said to the king, get someone, get someone to, to, uh, to be in charge over this thing. This is what he needs to do. The king said, why would I get anybody? It comes out of your mouth. Do it. So pretty much the king said to him, apart from me, you're pretty much the highest ruler in this land. So Joseph... Yeah, become a ruler in, in Egypt. Within one day, from a prison to the throne, God can do that. God can do that. If there's anyone who can do that, it is God. Yeah. In one moment, he turned from a prisoner to a ruler. Yeah. Because of the wisdom that God gave him, he saved a mighty nation from a famine, a severe famine. It is highly possible that up to this moment, now this is the thing, it is highly possible that up to this moment, Joseph has forgotten about his dream. It's possible. Because the story goes on and it says that the Bible recorded him as remembering his dream when he saw his brothers came and bowed down before him in chapter 42, verse 9. It was as if the dream, maybe in him, like, you know, the dream was dead, so he's forgotten about it. He's just, he's caught up in, 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 in his situation. So, uh, and as I read, it was when his brothers came and he recognized them because there was famine everywhere. So his brothers came from, from the land of Canaan to Egypt all the way to buy a wheat from, from, from Egypt because they heard, you know, there's no, there's no food anywhere except in Egypt and all that because of Joseph's, Joseph's wisdom. So they came and they came to him and they bowed unto him. When he saw them, then the Bible says in chapter 42, verse 9, then he remembered his dream. Yeah. So he, he finally came to a moment where he could see a big picture. And of course, the story, in the story, it says that the, the, the brothers were scared of him. They trembled before him, and uh, and Joseph comforted them. He comforted comforted them, and in the way he 
he encouraged them. You can see that he had this moment of understanding a glimpse of the big picture here. And in verse in, in chapter 45, verse 5, it says here, let, let's read together Genesis 5, uh, 45, verse 5. It says, And now he, he advised his brothers because they were scared of him at this moment. After after you know he uh he uh, exposed who himself or he revealed to them that he said to them, I am Joseph now. I am Joseph. And of course his brother was scared because in the beginning they didn't they didn't recognize him, but Joseph recognized him, recognized them. So when he introduced himself as who he is, they were scared of him because of what they did. They thought maybe he's gonna retaliate. And even after the burial of, of Jacob, they were scared, you know, because Jacob died in, uh, in, in Egypt. They thought he was going to retaliate, but this is his answer to, to, to their fear. He said to them, listen, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. That's forgiveness there. And listen to this, the next statement. He said, for God... He didn't say them. He said, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Can you see that? All of a sudden, it was as if he had a gl glimpse of a, the bigger picture. Verse 6, for the famine has been in the land these two years. There are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. Verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Verse 8. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. I love that. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler of, over all the land of Egypt. He said the same thing in chapter 50, verse 20. Let's read it. I love this, this, this one here. He says, he says to, to the brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. I'll read it again. As for you, you meant for evil against me, but God meant it for good. Isn't that powerful? It's like, <clears throat> I think when we have uh, the right perspective, always keeping our eyes on God, even though we don't understand what's going on around us, and often, yeah, I get caught up in the same thing. Sometimes I try to understand the big picture from the snapshot of my situation. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Now, here's the point, okay? I want to say this, how big God is. That's why we need to trust Him. That's why the foundation of our faith should be in God and is as simple as just Trust his faithfulness. That's, that is a genuine faith, is trusting God's faithfulness. 
Well, it is fantastic for Joseph to have a bigger perspective. So not just a snapshot, but a bigger perspective of what actually happened. God actually had a plan. They meant for evil, but God meant it for good to save lives. But let me say this. God had an even bigger perspective and bigger story to make this story in, in the right context. Three generations before Joseph, when God made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 and 14, when he made that covenant with Abraham, God said this to, to, to Abraham, okay? Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, and it says here, And the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain, okay? Mark that. Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. And verse 14, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possession, obviously speaking of Exodus. But here's the thing, the point I'm trying to make is, yes, every now and then we will get a bigger picture, which is great, but... God has an even greater picture beyond our, our, our understanding, beyond our comprehension, beyond our imagination. Like here, while Joseph got some kind of big, bigger picture, and yet that is not the big picture. The big, bigger picture is that God has planned this even three generations before when he was speaking to Abraham. Joseph wasn't even in the scene. And God spoke about this and prophesied about uh, these people will be, will be in Egypt and they will be there for 400 years. So God spoke even all the way, not just Joseph, all the way down to the generation of Moses. So my point is this. If that is the story of story of, of Joseph, if anything we can learn, it's like God, whatever I'm going through now, whatever that's coming against me, sometimes I get tired. It's like you know, nothing seems to work out. God has it under control. Like Dad says, God knows what He does. Not only that, He doesn't sleep on the, on the, on a job. <laughs> As long as he is with us. My question is, God is always with us. So the challenge for us is, are we walking with him? What I can learn from the story of Joseph is, it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter where we are. We're in the pit, in jail, or wherever. God will cause us to be in charge, to take, take leadership, authority over our own situation. Why? Because He is with us as long as we are walking with Him. And He, Jesus promised us. He said, I will never leave you nor 
forsake you. I will be with you. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he said, I will be with you to the end of the age. Matthew chapter 28. So here's the thing. Whatever the situation that you and I, some of you are facing now, let's just look to God and just say this, God, I don't understand what I'm going through. All I want is just let me see you in my situation. And even though I don't understand because at the moment, maybe understanding is not what I need, but what I need is trusting in God. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, this story of Joseph is a great story. And it's, it's, a, it's a story of what it means to be walking with you and to have you in our lives. Jesus, you promised that you will never leave us or forsake us. So, Father, our walk of faith, yes, we need to have expectation. We need to, to endure. But more than anything, Lord, our foundation, the foundation of our faith is that we trust you. We trust your faithfulness because you have the big picture. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And here we are, whatever situation we are in. We thank you, Jesus. We believe you. Come on, everybody, let's just say, Father, we believe you. And we want it to be that simple. We believe you. We thank you, Jesus. Bless your people, Lord. Strengthen them. There are people here, maybe with job situation, with their business, or people with family situation, relationship, whatever it is, Lord, you are a faithful God. You are always good. Good to us, oh Lord, like that song that we sing, Lord. You are always good. Faithful to your word. And we trust you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. <laughs>